This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh the Horror. It's a horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. And today we are looking at the much proclaimed, much hyped follow-up sophomore film from acclaimed director Jordan Peele, Us. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of a, uh, a wild ride that Jordan Peele's been on in the past probably year or so since Get Out came out. Like, he exploded on the scene last year in February, or no, about two years ago, in February uh, with his breakout horror thriller Get Out, and uh, it took the world by storm, and he's basically kind of been on fire since. He's been getting uh, deals to produce The Twilight Zone, he's working on dozens of different things, and now his, his sophomore film has finally come out to much hype and much acclaim, so we were here to figure out if this was a sophomore slump or is does he really have the goods? Rob, okay. what did you think well, about well, this movie? First, first, before we get into that, uh, you'll also know Jordan Peele from like Mad TV and Key and Peele. So he he's a comedian for like that's where he started in comedy. Always a huge horror fan, transitioned to horror, uh, and it's gone really well for him so far. Um, you know, I liked Us. I, I do have some issues with it. I'll, there's there's so there's plot holes in this movie, and if you can just look past plot holes, if you're just kind of like I'm going into this movie and just watching it, it's cool. I think the explanation at the end is just so ridiculously arbitrary that it could have been anything else, and it would have been a little more sensical. It was still cool, right? So here's the thing: like for anybody that may or may not be new here listening, uh, this is a very popular movie. Uh, I would I think at the front end we would like to say that we spoil these movies. Like the ever loving shit out of them. That's in a, that's in our disclaimer. <laughs> yes, this is our disclaimer. But uh, I would again like to emphasize that um, I would ad- I would end up still recommending us for uh, all the things that we're going to be talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, it's um, I am still so very torn about how to feel about a movie. Uh, it, it's only because uh, I I had a blast watching Get Out because I thought it was a like such a taut neat little thriller uh, with an incredibly cool message and just like an, an astounding debut. Well, okay, now what now see this is what this is I think where we differ a bit. I think Get Out is good. I think Get Out is a little overhyped. I think it's a it's a solid film. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly, my favorite thing about Get Out is that it's essentially an unofficial sequel to being John Malkovich. There's a theory that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard yeah, this. And it's amazing. So I like to think that that's it. And to me, <clears throat> everyone says Get Out. They're like, oh, it's my favorite. They're like, oh, it's my favorite horror film of all time. I'm like, I guess it's a horror uh, film. Mm, I, wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. It, it It is categorized as being technically a horror film, but it is more of the thriller type Um 
of that suspense thriller, I guess, really. I like it. I think it's a fun movie. Um, but I, I thought it was overhyped. And I have to say, I think Us was overhyped, too. When I'm watching trailers, and in the trailer, there are multiple reviews saying that it is the greatest horror movie of all time. I again, I, 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 I who the hell who what have they seen? Like, what have they seen four movies and this is the fifth horror movie they've seen? And they're like, this is it, we have the best one. And it's like, yeah, because you've seen a handful, man. Uh huh. And I, sometimes I kind of feel like I'm sipping crazy juice where I would just walk away from a movie of his and be like, yeah, that was good, but like, you know, it could have it could have changed this and that and whatever. And like, people are like, what? This is the best thing ever. This is the better. I'm like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, am I the only one that thinks that this is like kind of overblown? It, but but here's the thing. Like, getting back to uh, what I actually thought about this movie, I am so I I've been so torn because. This is the biggest, like, sort of existential crisis I've had of, like, a movie being something that I didn't expect it to be and me really wrestling with what I would change about it. Because overall, I wouldn't change much, but the more and more I think about it, the more I'm just like, no, like, we could tighten this up. Like, you could not, you know, put so many jokes in the second act because, like, we really need to emphasize the stakes and put in all of these different things into motion. And I I keep going back and forth as to whether or not, like, this needed to be a more complex or weighty or serious movie because uh, a lot of Jordan Peele's sentiment is his, you know, comedic charm and his, like, his sentiment of being a comedian because he's kind of come from that. I mean, I have no issue with the comedy in it. I think that's fine. I think I think the problem is you he, he expands it to be something larger than what it is, and that's where it falls apart. Well, here's the thing. I think that it could have been just as big and broad as it as it tried to be i feel like if you but you need to not mess around in your second act yeah, yeah, yeah. By, but, but like you could you could have laid a groundwork you could have laid groundwork for all of that third act stuff to mean more in the second act because again i feel like the first act of this movie is fantastic yeah no it the first up everything I, the first perfectly act is great there's a lot of tension you're building stuff up you have good scenes of dread where you're not sure what's going to happen when the family scatters in the beginning and they're moving through the house sure. and they're it's pulling so good. people aside it's great moments that first introduction where you meet them and you see what's going on you're like the, the shadow family i'd like to call them it's so yeah. good and by the way by the way lupita Nyong'o's performance in this movie is like outstanding like actually like of all the things to hype up about this movie I believe all of the hype from Lupita Nyong'o she's amazing no no question man she is absolutely just phenomenal in this and no small fry as well Winston Duke being a hilarious corny dad we need him in more corny dad roles Uh, Winston Duke was essentially I feel like he was just I feel like that role was written as Jordan Peele being himself as a dad. Oh no, he's and then, he is for sure the Jordan Peele surrogate, like, like little that Rel type in, of that type of Get feeling Out. that he, he is. Like that's I feel like that's the type of person Jordan Peele is, and so like that was the character that they that was it was envisioned as, and it's so, it's done so well. Like the family. The family dynamic is amazing in this film, and I really enjoy that. I like when the family's together and they're working together in order to combat their doppelgangers throughout throughout this film. It's it's when it starts going larger than grander in scope 
like where there are more shadow people and now I'm like okay with there being and killing and I'm okay with there being more shadow people because I'm like oh maybe it's a community of people maybe it's just this town uh hands across America man apparently it's the whole US <laughs> or the world for all we know like we don't know but there's so many things that are problematic in this film yet I still from a, re- from a plot ri- but from yeah a plot for, from a from a mean. plot point but I really like it still you get the tunnels right in the beginning that they talk about that's given to you before the movie even starts so you know that there's something underground and then I'm like okay well doppelgangers maybe that's where they come from but even when you're getting into it right off the bat the big twist a lot of people who I've talked to and even when I'm watching this man I knew that twist right away the second you mean the, the, big, the big twist being that like what we perceive to be real Lupita is actually the shadow Lupita that was switched at five. Yeah, she's that, red. That red twist. is red is the shadow. The shadow. So yeah, that they've switched from the beginning because she was quiet. She didn't say anything. None of these other ones talk. Yet she's the one. Who, well, no, I guess another one talks. The um, a couple of them talk. Some can't talk. You know, because we find that. I'm assuming out. most of them can't talk because I'm guessing that most of the shadow people learn to talk from the original. Yes, they learn to talk, which from, is which is from. crazy because knowing that a person who's not allowed to talk since the age of five had to grow up learning how to speak the rest of it, like that's crazy. It and like it it completely explains her weird affect. But then it's also how did she not know? where she came from how did she have this revelation like how did she really put that out of her head so much and put up a wall to me that's where it's kind of like you repressed that also that's a hard exactly like and why would you ever go back to that beach why would you even live in that same well and they even said like you don't they even said those things that that the creations don't have souls that was the thing and i'm like wait if they don't have souls then how the hell is she herself you know, how did she grow up to be this person just being integrated into society if she is essentially, I guess, a clone? Like, it seems like... And the, the explanation for all of it is a little arbitrary as well. And, and uh, it's not really fully formed out. Like, dude, I want to know... It is so ridiculous. It, but, like, that's the thing. I, I'm i mm. down for what they're selling. I'm really I'm into told, I'm Well, I'm down premise. for what they're selling if it's explained. It's explained like this. Um... Basically, the government has made clones of everyone, but they control those clones by tethering them to the people up who are, you know, moving around on the like the humans, right? Normal people who are just going about their daily life. And underneath the ground, under these tunnels, those clones are doing the exact same thing. And it's called tethering. And apparently it didn't work because they were going to use the clones to control what everyone did on, you know, on Earth, like walking around doing whatever and control their lives. And the government was going to that's how they were going to control people like puppets. I'm like, that is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden it didn't work. So they just shut the facilities down, left the people there and they survived for generations. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Eating rabbits. But if they're still, it's it, it's just, and they still do the tethered thing on occasion too. That's arbitrary because they don't, but then they do, and they use it in different ways because it, it's all based on these very loose rules that aren't exactly the loosest of and rules. The, the loosest and, and of it, rules. Like so, again, it's it comes to my conflict of like everything that everything that's that happens in this movie can be justified. I just don't know if they justified it well enough. It could be justified, but they didn't. 
literally everything because like the the connection that her son had to his doppelganger like he found out that he could kind of control him and like that's what made him walk back into the fire and like it, it like ended up killing him and saving the family and but like that's not really explained because I'm like okay well then why can't that be happen to any shadow and their doppelganger or is that I mean just but then you know I discovered? also started I tried to explain it to myself as being you know how kids mimic especially young kids like to mimic other kids. I think that's what they were doing when they were in the closet together during that scene uh, where he gets him to lift the mask. So he knows that he'll do whatever it is. And I think he's just like, well, let's see if he does it. And guess what? He does. So, and, and so that's the thing. So I'm like, okay, so if we have this sort of tethered connection to somebody, we can explain why, uh, red Lupita, who's been on the surface for, since she was five, could have this like sort of trauma and fear that something's coming after her because she's still connected to the real one. But that's they've down been below. On, but so apparently they've they've been untethered. That's the whole thing. As they said, there was an untethering of everyone. This is what's weird is that they still felt drawn into a place. You know, like well, that was <laughs> the whole thing is strange because apparently they weren't tethered, but they were somehow still tethered together. Right. And so here and like I, I I rack my brain just like kind of picking apart this movie about like what were the rules? What were the th- reasons that needed to be explained to the audience? Does this even matter? And I keep wrestling with the idea. I'm like, it probably doesn't, because in the end, the actual, actual important thing is the fact that is like Shadow Lupita came out. And conquered that and, like, resisted everything that she was. She finally escaped and she's free of that. And she doesn't care about, uh, the, like, the other shadow people and what she had left behind because she was supposed to leave all that behind. Oh, shit. And that's yo. getting over that fear and that trauma. Do you know like, what I realized? That's the important part. Do you know what I realized? They said that the shadow people couldn't have souls. That's a lie because obviously if she was red and she got out and she had kids and she had this life, she obviously has a soul. So that whole hands across America thing is actually is as horrible as it is that they've decided to murder um, every single one of their uh, doppelgangers. Uh, maybe, you know, they are hands across America to live in peace. So maybe it is all working out for well, the it's best. A, it's that, I mean, it's also like the last sort of sentiment that that five-year-old girl had to think about for the rest of her life. Like, that's the actual, that's the last thing that that girl really knew about for peace and America. And, like, that idea churning in your brain with nothing else but, like, this weird escape that you need to plan. Like, I totally bought that. I was like, oh, that's that makes total sense. Yeah, like, no, that, you that only had a t-shirt that had hand, <sighs> you only had a t-shirt yeah. that said hand, Hands Across America, and that's all you thought about from the day you were five? Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Sense. I like how they all to, have Michael Jackson gloves too, like based ooh, on the, yeah. on the thriller thing. And then the the scissors were very strange because the only thing that I could think of the entire time is time crimes from like right. What? That was that's a really cool, like the golden shears with like the red jumpsuits. I'm like, how did they these people it, it, get these things? It reminded a- me of the movie Time Crimes though, because that's one of the weapons that's in that. And I'm like, this this is just in my 
that's what I'm thinking most of it. Here's the other thing, though. Where'd, where'd they get the red jumpsuits, all the scissors, and all the, all I, the gloves? I'm get, Maybe it was, like, jumpsuits of the scientists that had been left behind or something. Like, those things could, like, be thought away, like, rather than explained away. I think the more important things, because, again, like, I'm looking back at the end of the movie, and I'm like, all right, so the important thing is that Shadow Lupita, like, escaped all of that. The big reveal is the fact that... She like she was the one that escaped. She it is told to the audience via flashbacks and certain things that she knows this. She knows she escaped. She has been aware of the fact that she escaped this place. With her knowing that, with with the with the fact that Lupita's character has known her whole life that she escaped from a terrible place when she was five and that she feels somehow guilty or traumatized or, like, living under the veil that, like, her life has kind of been... She stole a life from someone. No, actually, she didn't really because she was still following all of it, technically still tethered because they were still reenacting all the stuff that was going on, remember? Right. But but here's the thing, like she decided to just grab her and bring her down and like swap places. Oh yeah, no, like, there was a conscious the decision. There was the conscious decision of opportunity to get out, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's it, hey, and it, uh, Hey. Get out. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> I see what they did there. Look yeah. at that. They tied it in. That's that's <laughs> No, but so like that, that being the important part, that unpacks literally everything, like with that reveal, that unpacks everything that Lupita's character had done previously. It explains why she keeps getting out of the car to look at all of the shadow people because she feels kind of connected to them in some way, even though like as the audience, you're like, why the fuck are you getting out of the car? Like that explains that away. It explains why she doesn't want to go to the beach. It explains why... Uh, like she kind of wants to take charge as soon as that situation presents itself but if you if you know that if you've like been either carrying that or burying that in some way it doesn't make sense to me why that character would a let alone live in that section of the country knowing exactly where that place is because she knew exactly where to go to get down to that facility to save her son so it's not like she didn't know where it was or she forgot about okay, it or well, something I mean you know it, it could be something <sighs> repressed memories I mean people can really People can do a lot of that and with enough therapy and the fact that she didn't talk before and then had to learn to speak again, the amount of stuff she probably went through was like just utterly ridiculous in order to just kind of adapt and cope and feel normal again. Now, if she had never had any of that other life, that tethered life originally that they had had going on... um, Maybe she wouldn't have known or adapt. She wouldn't have adapted as well, probably. Like if she had li- lived a different, completely different life, then yeah, I could see that being it. Right. And I think the main thing that I would want to change, because I, I mentioned before that like I feel like once the second act really starts, things kind of start to fall apart in a different way. This movie starts to lose, I think, its focus. All right, well, we actually, we should probably go back kind of to the beginning. We jumped, and that was my fault, I jumped us to the end because it was a big thing we needed to talk about. It was. It very much Um, was. Because now, since we know that, we can go back into it with that power of, of hindsight and delve into the film knowing you know what we're about to get into it's it's interesting like the beginning of it's really fun i mean we get that the introduction of everybody um driving off to i guess their summer home 
it's there. It, they meet their friends. They meet everybody. It's a it's a good time. Uh, like family joke, family bonding time. Don't run off. Like I'm scared to lose you. Don't lose those kids. She's been thinking about all of these memories from her childhood. Uh, she's like kind of wistful, but also very reserved for certain reasons. Yeah, we know uh, that you know Jason um, wears his mask all the time, you know, and stuff like that. He's just going through the house, um, and then because he's, I mean, he's kind of like a he's he's like a shy kid, right? I mean, he seems like a quiet shy kid, and then Zora just doesn't really. She's off doing her own thing, you know, like in the beginning, like how she wants to be. Um, and so you have ba- they're, they're just basic kids, like they're average kids doing their thing. Then we get Tim Heidecker and Elizabeth Moss appearing as uh, as Adelaide and Gabe's friends. I love that they're in this movie. I was amazed that they're in this movie. Yeah, it was the introduction of them was just it was just really cool to see um because we get that beach scene is when we're introduced to them. Just that douchebag f- family that's like also friends with your with like those people. Oh my like god, they're the also tw- the, the most annoying twins ever like Oh have, man, I love it. I love it. It's yeah, great. yeah, they have the super annoying twin daughters um who are just totally bitchy going through that like 16-year-old just they they just seemed like the mean girls you know they were just in twin form um and then yeah jason ends up going off like leaving for a second going off to the bathroom my favorite thing is like i was just at the back going to the bathroom and adelaide says you don't do that (laughs) yeah and i'm like whoa what do you what do you mean you don't go to the bathroom and then she's like you don't leave and walk away and i'm like okay okay cool (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's again like it's in it's endemic of like building a great first act of like of fun humor, making sure that everybody is like in their proper place. Then we throw the monkey wrench of the uh, of the shadow family, which again I think is handled amazingly to a degree, like up to a certain point, because. Like there needed there needed to be something because we perceived this movie as just like oh so there's just a family of doppelgangers and they're kind of crazy and it's scary but like what does it all mean what do you want well because in the beginning stuff. you're kind of like where did they come from is this some weird dimensional stuff like who knows what's going on um, and it it seems like we're already hitting the home invasion thing so early into the film. Where can it go then after that? So, right, because there always needs to be an upping of the ante, and and they and they do, uh, and they up the ante a significant amount in this film a variety of times. But I feel that they up the ante at least once, and then there's another time that I feel like they had the opportunity to really ramp it up, and it just uh, it didn't fall flat, but it right. kind of plateaued. And and here and here's the things that like I th- this is where it starts to get like. Like I'm starting to say to Jordan Peele in my mind, I'm like, "All right, stop playing with your food and make the and make this real." Uh, where he keeps injecting jokes and moments of levity, almost at every turn of real terror, and of real sort of like stakes and consequence, like almost without fail. Like whenever like those kids are confronted to, you know, kill some of those doppelgangers, like she does it and like it's a crazy visceral moment and then like something happens and then it's played for laughs. Well, Which, like, it's, it, and again, I, I it's mean, jarring because I'm used to these things just kind of holding that weight and then sitting in that weight rather than immediately being taken away 
with some Joker levity, which, again, like, I liked in the moment. And I don't know how to feel about it after the fact because, again, we started to feel like we were – I felt like it was wasting time a little tiny bit in order to explain more important things to set up that third act. Because when when those things – when those things – when it went global with all of the other doppelgangers and when we got to seeing like this like info dump from a, a news broadcast that – all of these other people are just, you know, g- coming out of the sewers and then just killing people that look like them and then ho- all holding hands. Like, I feel like that could have been shown a bit better rather than them just sitting in, in on a couch looking at the TV waiting for something to happen. Because it, I, I don't know, man, you know, there's the, any way you cut it. This has been that that whole thing's been done time and time and again. Not true. The holding hands, and but the whole. Right. Oh, everything's happening. Let's film this. Oh, it's not just happening to us. It's happening to everyone. It's global. That's the problem. It's been done so many times lately, and that's usually the twist now. Is, yeah, oh, the we've outbreak gotten, twist, yeah. Well, it's, oh, we've gotten out of this one thing. We've made it. We finally made it. Oh, we haven't because it's gone global. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's how they end a movie. Like that's and, Yeah, and this doesn't end the movie that way. It keeps it going that way. But... To me, it started to lose a little bit of steam when you find out that it is going global and it's not just happening to a small community of people. A small community is more believable. It's very Stepford Wives-esque. Like, you could go and and understand that. You could think, all right, I could see how this could potentially work. But when it's going hands across America where it's going all across the U.S. and you're seeing tons and tons of people, that it, that's where it just... It doesn't really make sense, man. Well, like that, again, I think that loses me. I, I think that we, if if we had spent a bit more time setting something up like that, rather than making it so that when that final twist of the switch at five was revealed, that could have been a bit more meaningful. Like we could have had a bit, a few more hints from the movie that like okay shadow lupita is might actually be like she might be more connected to these people than we thought why is she, why does she care so much about going out of the thing like like people didn't question her like whenever she just starts to run off and do something that may seem crazy like nobody in her family is questioning it nobody in like there's no sort of like droplets of hints of like we know who you are and but like but like and then she's taken aback like well what like something like that not that she has something to hide but it's something that needs to come back to her and i i think it's that's mainly my main part from this second part where we have all of these things that sort of juggle jokes and stakes and keeping the family moving and then separating them and then bringing them back together again it keeps sort of playing with again I feel like the movie keeps playing with its food and not really wanting to commit to one type of tone I guess you can say that but it's doing what most horror movies do nowadays anyway they keep putting in the jokes they pump those in because it's it's accessible to a large audience. They it is, the I, and I would and I would just, recommend I, this to people that don't even like horror movies because it's it kind of it guides you along very well, right? And it does. If it stayed serious the entire time as it gets to the end, yeah, that would have been cool. But I don't think it did any of it playing with its food stuff. I think that what it did with its ending was 
a little lackluster. If the, it had had a little more impact in the explanation of why this is actually happening, if there was m something that would resonate a little more, I get the emotional impact of, you know, being down there for so long and being trapped. And I really love the shot at the blackboard where you get the really tight macro close-up of Red's face. Oh, God, that was such and a cool Adelaide, shot. And you have Adelaide, you know, standing in the background. And it, it's, it's a really awesome moment. Uh, that final killing blow is is a little it's a little disturbing and there's that well you first you get the stab but then you get the uh the handcuffs like the neck around break there when, and the once neck you, break yeah. and this this moment where it's very clear that there is something wrong with adelaide it is clearer than it's ever been besides the reveal it's it's just you know that there's something wrong her reaction of right after killing her is this she almost becomes red in that moment in the way that she's acting. It's very, it, it's it's really cool. Now, before that, we have to dispatch all of the other doppelgangers. Man, these were fun ways of dispatching doppelgangers. Very uh, true. Very, very it was, true. It was very fun. I liked the boat motor malfunctioning that you get in the beginning of the film. Yeah. You know it's going to be, you know it's going to be a callback. Uh, and it was, and it worked really, a really well. A very good well. callback? It was a great callback because when he smashes his head into the uh, motor, um, it it starts it up, and then you get uh, Abraham just getting you know dragged underneath there and just Hell drowned yeah. away. And it's that part was really awesome. I love this whole thing about I really like the the banter of boats and then not wanting to have a boat anymore. And he's like, I'm done with boats. I don't want a boat anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after he's so about boats, you can tell the rest of the family hates it. They don't want any boats. Well, yeah, because he he wanted the boat because Tim Heidecker had the boat. And yeah. He just wanted to fit in with Tim Heidecker. And he's like, you think he bought that big boat to fuck with me? Like that kind of a thing. And the, and the fact that the the thing is called the B Yacht. <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing is ridiculous. <laughs> so good. So then we have uh, Zora, and man, Zora's doppelganger. Holy crap. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. What was it Umbre? Yeah, she is. It's it's a good character. I mean, she definitely comes off as as imposing. You do see her kill someone else, <clears throat> and it's cool looking because you're like, all right. You can tell that she's like this violent, crazy stalker. And they say that she's like the crazy one of everyone. I wanted her to go a little more insane. You see it when she attacks the car. Like when she's attacking the car, it is a, that's, that's a heavy duty moment. Like she stabs through uh, the sunroof. <clears throat> and then stabs. It's probably the, the better yeah. reflection aspect of these doppelgangers where like, like there's that callback of like, oh, like I haven't really been, I've been slacking on my track practice. And it's like you know you'll be an Olympic runner someday if you keep that up, and like you can keep it going good. And then like he just makes, she just lets her run just so she can outrun her. Like that's a cool moment. Like clearly out athleticizing that moment because she's tethered in that way of like no, I like this, and that's the doppelganger thing. Like I should be running. I should be doing this. Like it's cool. Well, and that's the thing too. When you look at who everyone is, you have Jason is kind of he seems scared a lot of the time, and he hides behind a mask. But then you have Pluto, who is actually the more of the aggressor of it. You know, he's like the one who 
they're like, don't, you know, if you mess with them, he will attack. So they, everybody, they are their antithesis. It works very well. They do work in that shadow way. Then we're introduced to Tim Heidecker's uh, doppelganger, who his name is Tex. And uh, Elizabeth Moss's kitty is named uh, uh, Dahlia. It's a very weird scene, man. It's cool because you just see them hanging out at home and you're waiting for everyone else to just show up. And uh, Yeah, you want to kind of pick apart what that doppelganger is thinking uh, in just the way that it acts because, like, we have, like, a jilted marriage kind of with with their real people and they're thinking about all of those things. So, like, the things in their mind where she's like, you know, I've thought about killing him a couple times. Like, it, like I'd imagine, like, in a twisted, undeveloped brain of a doppelganger that, like, has just been fed those emotions constantly and then putting it out there. Like, that's an interesting way to show that of like how she's just like kind of playing with herself in the mirror with the scissors and stuff and like thinking like it, you can see you want to unpack what they're thinking uh, especially with Elizabeth Moss who's very who's so good in that little scene yeah because otherwise it was like why why was Elizabeth Moss in this movie you know just for that beginning scene if there was nothing of any you know real heavy substance to it but right yeah she's, it was, she's a heavy duty cool. actress for sure well she is and that's why so seeing her in that in that role was really cool seeing tim heidecker doing his thing was just insane yeah doing like um, this weird like hippie jack sparrow stuff yeah like, but it was in it silence was it was kind of scary at the same time, the way he, like, walks down the boat, and then he has those, like, the scissors are right there. Yeah, it goes it's, from it's being weird. A, it goes from being kind of a funny moment to it. That's not funny, because the thing I like about the weird humor in this, at any moment, it could go to a humorous moment, but then all of a sudden they could just be stabbing you repeatedly in the chest. And it, and it and you've just been laughing, thinking that it's going to be okay, and then it's not, and then they could laugh again. And it's funny in Gallo's humor, uncomfortable laughter, um, as this person's bleeding out everywhere. I mean, that's that's kind of where I feel a lot of the humor exists in this movie. Is that it's 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 a lot of uncomfortable humor. It's breaking tension humor, and I I think it works. I know that that you think by the time we get to the end, it's you know it's a little much, and there are, are a few times where it's like, all right, guys. Like, let's calm down. Like, let's just move this along. <laughs> but at the same time, I think the audience needs that on occasion. Um, I found the beginning to be kind of tense, but then the rest of it, I never really felt tension through the rest of the film. Once we got past the initial home invasion. Um, yeah, I didn't feel any sort of tension or real stakes until about the beginning of the third act when she goes back down for that final confrontation. I, I, I mean, I didn't really feel like there was going to be... To me, I didn't. I thought it was going to go... Not that, ex- not the way it exactly went, but something where, you know, it's almost like evil's going to triumph. Though, you know, there's going to be a switching of places one way or another. There will be a switching of places. So I went in thinking that was going to happen either from something in the beginning where they ended up switching or switching later on. Turned out it was the beginning. Um, And, you know, I think the part that got to me where I was like, oh, this might not be as terrifying is when you had when uh, Josh and Kitty get murdered and the twins get murdered. 
Like when that happens and then the family comes in and has to fight them off at that point, I'm like, there's no tension. There's, we have lost. It's, it's horror and it's fighting, but I, I know that they're all going to make it out of this. Right. And I, and I think that that was kind of initially when I walked out, I thought that was kind of my problem with this where I'm like, I don't want to say kill your characters, but like there needed to be some. I don't know if some... it's necessarily. I don't know if they necessarily need to kill their characters. I don't, I don't think I don't, so. I don't... I don't think you need to, but like I, you needed to give me something that showed me that like they're in real danger. Yeah, they never. I never to felt me like that, they like, were. This family is, might not make it. Right. I never felt like they were really in danger because when they got um, when Umbre is on the car and they launch her off. I'm thinking, all right, she's coming back, man. That's how that's how these characters go. They get up and they keep coming after you. And I was then then there's okay, you can't take her down easily. How are you gonna take her down? But they didn't do that. They were just like, All right, she hit hard enough to hit a tree, I guess wrapped around it and was done, and that was it. Like that was Yeah. The, and and we wouldn't character. know that unless unless she stepped out of the car to confirm the kill, I guess. I, <laughs> like, I you know, I guess to make sure that they were actually gone, but it it still it still seems kind of strange to me. Also, how if this if the government thing stopped and they all became untethered a long time ago, how would they magically have the same kids? How does how does that work? I we don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. It's wait wait thing. wait wait. Did did Adelaide slash Red become a geneticist when she was down there, or read through the notes and maybe teach some of them? I have no idea. I have no idea. And that's kind of the like I I want like I as much as I want to know more about what happened in that. There's there's a certain amount of mystery that kind of needs to be there still because we'd be here all day in that movie talking about that facility. So yeah, but you know what? I, I want that- to know more about that facility because someone had to let him out. Someone has to be the mastermind for for something this large, right? Like There's there has no to be some sort of mix-up or like mistake or tragic thing that happened to that facility that makes it the way that it is for like right. what twenty years unattain uh, like like 20, unattended no, dude, to. It was it was like thirty years. Yeah, like just unattended. Like something went wrong, and now it's been like this. Uh, and again, I'm willing to surrender that kind of mystery, like in order just for the sake of uh, Lupita's arc, because that's the important part. Dude, and I could do it for a small community of people. That's what I said. But when sure. we're going, when we're going global or or nationwide, no, you, you've you got to explain something. Sure. That is that is suspending disbelief a little too much. I and that's fine. I feel, but again, like I don't know why that this is some sort of like inherent like entertainment bias, maybe. But like, I I'm just I'm thinking I'm I'm in like Twilight Zone brain right now. Where no, I'm because like, that's okay, what may- this. It's based on a Twilight. It, it it was inspired by a Twilight episode about a doppelganger. Yeah, and and so, I'm like, all right, like those like those are notoriously just like you you only explain exactly what you need to and nothing more, and. And, like, this maybe falls just short of that, but not that short. Like, I'm like I'm willing to forget most, like, all of my questions that I need to know about that facility can be thought away. I don't, I don't care about that. Like, that's not important to me. It's more of, like, all right, what do we really need to know about, uh, about that ending for our main characters? And knowing that her son 
is aware of that switch and knowing that she's different and that she's one of them and that that's going to mess with him in some way or that he's accepting that silently uh, is a really cool moment and a, a really cool thing to sort of end that on to know that they'll just go off into the day surviving like that uh, or living like that. We're not sure because it's a, it's a very odd sort of ending to have because, like, is it the end of the world? Like, no? Not really. It's not like, the end of the it's world. A, it's the beginning it of a new world. It is our time. We have arisen sort of a thing of, like, well, all right. The whole thing new- is, I, I think it's that it's a whole new world. It was their way of bringing, you know, it's Hands Across America bringing peace and everything. If everybody did that, then there would be world peace. This is their way of doing that, I guess, in a weird, twisted way. I don't even think they know exactly what they're doing. I think they were just, hey, guys, this is what we're doing. So when you see yourself, which it's really amazing that they were able to find themselves through this. I guess they tethered them back up somehow. I don't know. They had um, to have. But anyway, I, I think... It, it, yeah, to know exactly where that... I mean, I guess when... Uh, there's there's a lot of confusion that I'm having with this as far as the logistics. But but that's the thing. Like it, like in summation, we still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. it, but that's I hear that's I enjoyed it. It's a it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It's a good movie, but plot holes, man. I yeah, and like I keep thinking that I want to change something, but then I kind of surrender myself to the fact that I'm like it's still good, and I still had a good time, and I'm still telling everybody within earshot of me to see it because it's worth it. Like, it's yeah, a cool no, and interesting, I mean, fun vibe that you get from a new and interesting, fun director. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked for the new Twilight Zone. I now officially know it's in very good hands. Like, I'm... I'm still excited for what Jordan Peele's going to do next and continuing. Um, I think that, like, kind of to sum up, it's like, let's not get wrapped up in the hype too much well actually think that it it's it's the hype is a good thing to a point because this movie this movie is now officially the best ever gross for a horror film um based that is an original script right like an because R-rated. i think it's the third overall but like it was like for based on original scripts it was number one yeah, based like, on like it had original... like a thirty million dollar opening, right? Like it was it no, was something it had a insane. Seventy. It was seventy. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It 70. was seventy point three million dollar opening, uh, with a worldwide of eighty seven. Its budget was twenty million. It because the other movies that have done better with openings, it has the highest for a horror film. Halloween is the second with seventy seven from uh you know from the or last year, and um, yeah. Hell yes! Yeah. Like, which is absolutely. I mean, it's great. It's that's solid. It's great. I think. I think movies like this should be rewarded, despite of its problems, despite its flaws. I had enjoy. I enjoyed it. I had a blast. Yeah. It was a good, good time. Well, uh, it also means that you know now Jordan Peele can make whatever the hell he wants. Oh yeah. To. Oh When yes, you're making that much and you're putting a horror movie that is getting solid critical reviews, it's making a ton of money. It's putting, I mean, horror's been on the map, and it's hard to say. Horror has not been bad, really. There's always been great horror that has existed. Everyone says that, everyone thinks that there's some, like, dry period of horror where it got really bad. No, it's always been good. You have to find the good. Sometimes you have to search for it a little more, you know? Um, We've had a lot more that have gone into theaters lately that have been, like, you know, wide release that have been really, really good. 
um, coming out in the past few years. So, and be- finally getting the critical acclaim and award winning. Like a lot of these are winning. Uh, I mean, he won. You know, uh, what was it for best screenplay? He won screenplay. He won yeah, best screenplay. So like that's huge. What? That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen often for horror. Yeah, it's a so big, anytime, big deal. Anytime we can get a win. You know, at a mega <laughs> award show, that's great because it sticks it to the man. So yeah, he's he's doing the right things for sure. Yep. I'm I'm on I'm on the Jordan Peele train. One hundred. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Sure. Look, I I like the movie. I think that it was overhyped, and because of the overhype that was put into it, I'm gonna find plenty of plot holes into it. In it, but here's and, the thing, and we, pick we it still. A bit. I, but that's the thing. Even a movie, I, I still find a movie quite good, even if it makes me think more about it and it makes me want to pick it apart and make me ask questions about it. Like, that's very engaging for a movie to do. It's very rare for a movie to do. Uh, no, and no, I still no, it's find, very, yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's I very, mean that as a high compliment. Rare. Yeah, I was, I was in, you know, for this the whole time. Uh, I've seen a lot of the doppelganger type films. I mean, it's, it's not something that's new. You know, it's, um, it's been done a lot. Same with the home invasions. It was a good combination of the two. I just think it was a little too a grand a, a grand vision that to me just had a few too many plot holes. But you have to you know you got to see it no matter what. It's fun. Um, it's totally worth it. Always support horror. So <laughs> support good ones. Exactly. Well, that is going to do it for us this week on Oh the Horror. What do we have coming up next week, Rob? Uh, so we're going to take a look at Starry Eyes. Movie came out a couple of years ago. I, I like it. I like it a lot. It came out in uh, 2014. <laughs> it's, a, it's a simple little movie. And, uh, and one it's, that's it's very, a- it's very, very simple. It's very, very simple. Um, the main reason that we are talking about this is that the directors of Starry Eyes are also the directors of the upcoming Pet Cemetery remake. Yes, that um, is getting so, a lot of buzz and a lot of uh, attention. Well, we'll be talking about Starry Eyes first, and then we'll be seeing Pet Cemetery and doing that on the following episode to uh, look at how these directors have grown over the past five years. It should be interesting to see. So, yeah. with that in mind, Rob, why don't we uh, close out and tell us where we can be found on the internet? Well, you can find us at OhTheHorrorCast.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at OhTheHorrorCast. Um, and you can also find us anywhere that you download your podcasts, like iTunes, like Stitcher, like Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of those things. We exist there. Mm-hmm. So search Feel for us free. at Oh The Horror or at Oh The Horror Cast. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Allman. And I'm Rob Holmes. And we'll talk to you and soon. we'll see you next time. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Come, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And there's no more room in hell. The dead 